Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. It's been more than 20 years since Richard Hatch won the first season of Survivor. Since then, the Rhode Islander has competed in Celebrity Apprentice, Survivor All-Stars, and The Biggest Loser. He also served a federal prison sentence for tax evasion. What's he up to now? What does he think of Donald Trump? And who's catching his attention on this season's Survivor? Our conversation after a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Richard Hatch, the Rhode Islander who won the first season of Survivor. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Ed. You're known around the world for becoming the first person to earn the title of sole survivor, but tell us about your Rhode Island roots. You, oh, grew, on, you grew up here, right? I'm known around the world for a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I grew up here in Newport. My dad was a lobsterman, so I grew up in the water spearfishing, which was really helpful on the show. And Newport's home, you know, born in Newport Hospital, lived all over the world, but uh, always had a place here. It's just uh, a great place. I call Newport a great place to live from. Not a lot of business, industry, couldn't make too much of a career, but other than tourism. But I can get anywhere. I can get to Boston in an hour and 15. I can get to New York really comfortably. And you still live here now, right? You're in Newport? I do. And you went to Middletown High School. I did. Tell us about that. Yeah, Middletown uh, High. It's one of the three high schools on the island, and I graduated in 79. So that first season was back in 2000. I saw you tweeted recently a photo from then saying, yikes, that was more than a minute ago. Have you seen the game change in the last 23 years? Oh, there's an understatement. Yeah, so Survivor was a shocking introduction to who we are, I think. And that connected people with the show. They couldn't help but become really introspective when watching it. What did she do? Why'd she do? Oh my gosh, is he gonna, would I? Those kinds of things. I think that's what draws us to Survivor. But unfortunately, I think it has changed significantly. It's a very, very different feel from my perspective. 
How, how so? Jeff Probst is executive producer now, and there's a lot of what I think is ego involved. He's inserted himself and continues to insert himself more and more and more, where all kinds of commentary that, that seem to be efforts to be like socially appropriate or to kind of take a stand with this is who we are and what we are trying to say in Survivor. It doesn't work from my perspective. The game, why it worked was because it showed who we are. The conversations about what's appropriate, who's problematic, what things that we're doing. I mean, Rudy used to say about me, my 72-year-old Navy SEAL, he's fat and he's queer, but he's smart. That became incredible conversation afterwards. It's all whitewashed now huh. uh, by Probst. And you can't say, hey, guys, don't, I can't say guys. I won't say guys. And the next weekend he's saying, hey, guys, come on. So you think he's inserting himself too much and not letting the, the contestants, the characters come forward themselves. Be who we are. Yeah, and yeah. then let's talk about it afterwards. I think that's what brought Americans to the water cooler. That's what, you remember, water cooler television, that's what we started. Do you stay in touch with any of the other people you competed against in that first season? I do. Yeah, there are quite a few of them who afterwards became friends. <laughs> Not during. Have no room for friends during that game. Right, right, right. Which people didn't get. And so Rhode Island thought of me like the rest of the country. This villain, you know, Machiavellian evil was even in the, the press. But yeah, I still am in touch with and visit and communicate with many. There are hundreds and hundreds of us now, you know, yeah, survivors. Yeah. yeah, are you watching the current season? I've never missed an episode. Wow. And so I was watching and the tribe just voted off Danny the firefighter, right? Did that surprise you? Nothing surprises me in the game. It's the knowledge or the comfort with knowing you shouldn't be surprised about anything that will keep you best invested in what's about to happen, particularly if you're feeling very, very comfortable and you don't think something's going to happen. That's the time to look and try and figure out, really, is it possible? Because if it's possible, it could be what happens. So uh, most things don't surprise me. Right, right. Well, who do you think is going to win this season? I mean, oh, I would never tell Caroline, you Caroline Carson, Jam Jam? I don't predict. I don't make predictions about who will win. I talk about people who are playing well and who aren't. Give me that. Who do you okay. think this season is playing a good game that you respect? So I'm sure you can tell from the edit that people are shocked about how well it appears Carolyn's playing, given what's necessary in the game, this personality. And she's so free-spirited, that typically does not do well. But she's got this ability to keep much of what she's actually thinking or planning or how she's strategically prepared to move quiet. And as long as she can do that, she can do well. So I'm fascinated at how well she's doing. I can't imagine that taking her to the to the end as the sole survivor, but she has done well to this point because of that. Yeah, she had quite a dramatic scene there when she was going up to vote, and she, she was in there for a long time, yeah. it seemed. And viewers should not model their plans if they do get on the show after her. This is a one-off. You know, this is not something that's <laughs> being done, her. you know— Really, really strategically and well. But it's great. It's fascinating to watch different personalities handle the show in the way that they can. I'm curious about what's the difference between what you see in the final cut and the, and what actually happens on the island or the location. You see an edited version 
of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of people's interaction. That doesn't mean it's not real. That's the part that I think most listeners might be interested about. They, they always talk about how fake this is or that is or are there bathrooms and where, where did you sleep, you know, those kinds of things. And it's silly. It's real. But it's condensed. So I was naked, in case you didn't know, most of the time. Not on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Is it filmed? <laughs> um, the show ended filming at the end of April, but it didn't air until the end of May. So during that time, the editors obviously knew I won. And they knew what kind of a storyline they wanted to build and create. So you saw more of me naked than I'm sure you wanted to. And you saw none of Colleen or any of the other pretty girls. <laughs> they were all naked, in case you didn't know. But that's my branding now. I'm the naked guy. And I don't mind because, you know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I know you appeared on Celebrity Apprentice in 2011. What do you remember most from that experience? Wow, how Celebrity Apprentice is a great show to contrast with Survivor because it's nothing like it. In other words, Survivor, you really did have much of your fate in your own hands. In Celebrity Apprentice and many of the other shows, it has nothing to do with what you're doing. You know, Gary Busey was problematic. <laughs> it was an understatement, but really, really difficult to be around for a lot of different reasons for a lot of different people. But it made good TV. So they kept him and got rid of me at the point that that happened. And I'm not complaining about that. I'm just trying to show how different it is. You go into that boardroom and Trump and the other people who tell him what to do behind the two-way mirror, they make all the decisions about what happens and and what doesn't and who goes and why. And, and there's nothing to stand on. It's not like how much money you bring in for charity or how much you do this or what you won or didn't win. It's completely random. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Trump. Did you think at that time that he would end up becoming president of the United States? I would have bet everything I'd owned and everything you owned that that was not possible. He's not suited for the position. He's not capable of thinking about anybody other than himself. And yet, here we sit. We can go into that. Yeah, we talk about <laughs> politics on this podcast. So give me your thoughts about, I mean, Donald Trump is launching his campaign for the next presidential election as we speak. What are your thoughts on that? You know, this guy is a charlatan. He's done nothing other than fail. And what would you have done if you'd been gifted inherited 400 plus million dollars. How many times did he lose it? I, I can't even count, but I know what I would have done. And yes, paid taxes on it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I certainly would have made, I think, a really, really positive impact. I understand you were considering doing your own podcast. Tell oh, us about that. Probably heard already this morning, we used the word reality a couple of times. So reality matters to me, and that's the name of the podcast that I'm working on. I don't know when we'll launch, but it's something that is really important from my perspective. What's true matters. The amount of misinformation, disinformation, irrationality with which we are bombarded continuously frustrates me, and I think undermines all of us. It breaks up families. It destroys potential for success when we walk around thinking we know things we don't. While you've been a star, you've also had some well-publicized legal troubles. 
In 2006, a federal judge sentenced you to 51 months in prison for evading income taxes. The jury found you guilty of tax evasion for not reporting $1.4 million you earned from Survivor and other sources. Some would read that and wonder why you wouldn't report that income when the world saw you win it. Tell us about that. Yeah, and why am I listening to this asshole who's a tax evader? That's what it's become. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fun for me to just watch. Again, reality matters. So this is a tough thing to encapsulate. And the truth is, of the tax thing, those taxes were owed to Malaysia by CBS and Mark Burnett, by law, by U.S. law, by Malaysian law, by before we even left the island. And so I reached out to the IRS. Me and my accountants, this is how it all started. Nobody was doing anything, but I reached out to them and said, hey, what do we do with this? How much was paid to whom, by whom, so we can figure out the difference. Judge Torres enhanced your sentence for obstruction of justice. Prosecutors said you perjured yourself during the trial, failed to disclose assets to the probation office. What do you say to that? Oh, thank you for bringing that up. So they charged me with attempting to evade taxes. I refused to plea. Everybody was furious. I wouldn't stand up and tell the judge I did something that I didn't do. They dropped the charge. Eight months later, they came back and charged me with 10 counts, bank fraud, wire fraud, mail fraud, charity fraud, knowing facing 47 plus years, I would plea. I might be stupid. I might be stubborn. I don't know what. Still, what? I can stand in front of a judge and say, yes, I did that. I attempted to evade taxes. No, I didn't. <laughs> and I'm not going to plea, period. So I went to trial and I was acquitted of everything except attempting to evade taxes, which they had broken into two charges. But it was the same thing, the one thing. And I remember the prosecutors saying you had two accountants prepare tax returns, but didn't file either. Seven. Seven. They said two. All right. I had an accountant for 11 or 12 years in Washington, D.C. I was now living in Newport, and I just won a million dollars. I interviewed seven accountants and asked them to do this and went to them and tried to figure out who I should use. I thought, like an idiot now, I'll tell you that I'd be better off with someone face-to-face, -face. this is probably the largest income I'd have in my lifetime, who can I work with and how should that happen? I didn't want to do it by phone and email, if email was even the thing then, with somebody in Virginia. I should have. There was literally not one iota of calculation or attempt to evade anything. So I've got to ask, 51 months in prison, that's a long time. What was that like? Did, did the other pr prisoners know who you were? Did you use any of your survivor skills? So put it in perspective, more time than anyone in U.S. history for the amounts they claimed that I attempted to evade, even though I didn't attempt to evade a penny. But anyway, that's a long time in prison. And prison, is that part of your mindset? Are you thinking about that uh, as what might happen in your life? Okay, so no, me either. You end up wondering why this is your life, and I'm introspective anyway, so it was interesting to explore how we get to where we are, and I learned a lot about who I think we are as Americans, et cetera. But you do a lot of reading. I also learned about who we incarcerate, and uh, I got really close with, with a good number of guys, and one of whom was charged when he was 16 for, he had a joint on him or whatever. And then when he was 19, he carried pot from DC to Oregon in a car. He carried this, this, these two pounds and they gave him 25 years because he's black. 
and he had that 16. He's DC. So I, that's just one. I could give you many, 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 many more. But his mother died when we were together in prison. Two of his sons ended up, you know, having problems. He's an amazing guy, a kind guy, a bright guy, a super guy. And 25 years he spent for that because he's black. So the biases that pervade our judicial system are sickening to me. And that's not just a personal thing. I feel lucky. You're hearing me, you know, rant and rave, and but I'm bright, I'm articulate, I'm educated, I'm uh, healthy. There's so many things that I feel lucky for my own circumstances. I try to keep things in perspective, and uh, that's where we are now. Yeah, when you were in Middletown High School, did you ever think you'd have all this ups and downs, all the this drama in your life? Yeah, so they are ups and downs. And I guess that is life. And we're too young when we're in high school to realize that it'll be that. I mean, I was the graduation speaker. And then I was in prison for for all those years. I mean, the ups and downs are impactful, but they aren't who we are is what I've come to. And so I'm resting in as best I know how who I am and trying to communicate that? To what end? I don't know. My goal isn't to be understood by everyone because that will never happen. I gave that up a long time ago, caring about what people think of me. I probably should have cared more what people think of me before I went on Survivor than I did because I didn't realize the biases and the prejudice and the bigotry. I, I hadn't encountered it. Even growing up gay and being who I am, outspoken as I am, I was contributing to society and successful by anybody's standards, those kinds of things. But what people think of you, I guess, does matter, especially when those people are in positions of power. But when those people in positions of power aren't objective, aren't rational, aren't reasonable, are bigoted, uh, then what do you do? Let's just conclude by telling us conclude? what's- Conclude? I'm what, nowhere near done. <laughs> okay, go ahead. What's, what's next for you? I saw on Twitter that uh, you said something about the game show show. What's that all about? Oh, I don't know. That's airing now. So all I can't right. tell you too much. Yeah, no, it's, it's a four-part series. I think the first part's aired and it's got three more to go or something. It's on ABC. And, uh, you know, they came to me and I was happy to talk. Are you shocked? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I saw you're in the on the clip. You saying yes, I'm naked. Well, I was naked. Yeah, they they. Um, you know, it's a show. It's called the Game Show Show. It's about game shows. And as we started this conversation, you know my branding. I'm that Rhode Island guy, the naked guy. It's all about how this reality television game show environment um, unfolded. So watch. All right. Thank you very much, Richard Hatch. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the podcast, do us a favor. Follow the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.
Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org slash passport. That's ripbs.org slash passport.